It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Remembered? This is the first time we've done a Zoom call that had a separate intro that you and I did together because yeah. it's normally just me sitting here in the middle of the couch rambling. We, uh, I, I think it's also probably cause it's, it's such a weird, it, it, it is to not be in person. And then when it's done, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. That's yeah we're like, all right, let's go. <clears throat> so, so that being said, what's up everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the walking blind podcast. Episode 83, 83. Uh, we got to sit down with Daniel McCartney, of the Continuance Foundation. Uh, he's also a agent for UTA mm-hmm. and then also happens to be the uh, one of the OG guitar players from Gideon. Yeah. Um <clears throat> it's cool, man. Got to got to sit down, have some conversations. Yeah. Didn't get to do a mental health check. But but he can but he gave us a background get, yeah. on his, which 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 I, I didn't I don't think we I don't think got to really express how rad I think that was for him to be so open and share his mental health journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Do we so, do a mental health check? You want to? Might as well. You want to explain the mental health check? Yeah. Here. <laughs> this, this is, this is <laughs> new. Remember, it's just the one camera, Mike. We, uh, we, don't, have, we don't have any. I'm all looking at my. Yeah. Uh, mental health check is basically where we check in weekly to see where we're at mentally. That way we can kind of see, you know, if things are going well, what are we doing? That's, uh, that's you know, that we're in a good place and then if you know if maybe we're in a funk maybe uh what's going on or maybe what are we neglecting to do that is keeping us in that funk so you go you go first michael well um <clears throat> excuse me i actually feel good i actually um i've been so we all know the story that i bought a ton of guitars right and then now I'm in the process of like unloading some of these guitars, <laughs> right? But what I've been doing is I've been wheeling and dealing. Because um, to me, it's like like having that money in my pocket would be cool. But I'm also like, oh, I can like get some other cool shit, yeah. right? Yeah. So I like um, traded one guitar actually for, you guys can probably see it, the Les Paul in the that's in the frame. <clears throat> um, that is... She already knows about this. It's Karima's birthday present, but mm-hmm. she's not allowed to actually have it until August because 
And you get to play it until... I get to play it. I was actually jamming <laughs> on it earlier. <clears throat> um, Wait, when did you move? August 3rd. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I actually let go of the Jim Root, the Jim Root Telecaster. Um, because you know I'm a shreddy guitar boy now, and I need a. <laughs> You're a riffer, just, dude. I'm a riffer, dude. I really am a riffer now. Uh, a riffer. Got got Ryan to send me that one riff that I was struggling with, and yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, just got to bring the speed up a little bit. But I figured it out. Right. And uh, yeah, so I've been like, like kind of like dialing in some cool stuff, um, and it it feels good to kind of like. Like, I kind of, like, piggybacked off of Ryan for a lot of stuff. Like, oh, I actually like this. I'm going to jock your style on mm. this. You know, this. But now I'm also, now I'm starting to, like, find, find your own find my own little space in here. But I also still go to him to be like, is this cool? Can we do this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I, feel, I feel good. I think, feel like things have been um, kind of rolling in the right direction. Not just with, like, you know, like band stuff, but just in general. Um kind of getting some projects under my belt um getting back to work with some voiceover stuff too so it's been it's been pretty good mm. lately <clears throat> how are you uh i feel like i'm doing pretty well mentally physically i'm tired <laughs> <laughs> physically i'm exhausted but uh but mentally it's been good i've been able to uh except for i guess this weekend was kind of not good for me as far as uh working out mm-hmm. but i've been i've been doing my own little I have like a routine that I'm doing. I think I think it's gonna work out for me. Yeah. Um. So that's been good. And then, you know, getting back to getting my show, my show, getting my voice into show shape. Yeah. Is just good for me because I get to sing, and um, kind of finding this like weird little loophole that when I'm with Jordan, we just we do karaoke. <laughs> so I need to, I need to warm up. So I'm like. This is, this is weird. Let's just put something on. We'll sing. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you doing this on your uh, your sick ass car stereo or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have it. And also, I'm kind of I'm starting to feel like I got hustled because I don't feel like. So I had my the my sound system right now in my car is not it's not working. So I uh, instead of sitting in silence like a crazy person, I I found this cool this cool speaker. You remember I bought one too. Did you? Yeah. Same one? Yeah, exact same one. I want does yours bump? Uh I don't really use it. Oh. The the lady uses it. <clears throat> oh nice. Well, I feel like I feel like it was a lot louder when you played it for us than it than it is in my car. Are your batteries dying? I don't think so. I charge it. Hmm. I wonder if there's like a actually I don't know. Whatever. It but anyway, it might be just a little switch, a little something. No, I feel like I've done, I don't know. It just it doesn't it doesn't. Uh, it's, you know what? Uh, I shouldn't question it. You are very tech savvy. <laughs> yeah. So yes, yes, I sing on I sing on that my little speaker. Nice. Which I can over which I overpower, but um, yeah, I'm good, man. Mentally I'm good. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm gonna be more prepared for this. I have to be, cause yeah, my goodness, um, I'm ha- I'm the the more like I kind of like getting prepared for this. I'm like thankful for Australia, mm-hmm. cause Australia was pretty eye opening for me to be like, um, what worked you before isn't gonna work for you now. Yeah, 
It's a, it, well, your, <laughs> your body's changing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's also like, it's a different, it's a different game altogether now, especially because like you, you know, you've still been singing, you've still been, you know, you have Burner State, you have um, <clears throat> the new project, mm. but also like you haven't had to do anything. Like probably the heaviest thing that you've done since No Bragging Rides is getting on the Torture Culture record and doing that you know that one song yeah so um that's like you know it's not it, it, it's like riding a bike but it's also not like riding a bike you know like it's uh, like you're relearning all this stuff and putting yourself in a situation where you have to figure this shit out again yeah yeah i'm kind of looking for i have a, I have a new warm-up mm-hmm. that i've new warm-up first time in like i don't even know how many years because i've done the same warm-up forever yeah so yeah it's i'm 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 uh I'm feeling I'm feeling good about uh about the tour and then I'm going I've kind of come back to just like na- naively just like I can't think about it as mm-hmm. far as like date to date. Yeah. So when people hit me up like oh I'm so good to see you on so and so I'm like all right sick sick I can't I can't I can't think too hard on that because it'll drive me crazy. I may or may not if everything works out the way I want it to be making some changes in here while you're gone. Okay. Okay. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if I'm going to do it while you're gone or, or if I want to do it for episode 100. Ooh, which but, we're so close to now. Yeah. Which wildly we're close to. So, um, yeah, it is, you know, it's all kind of like what I want to do can be done right away, but I need to do it strategically for funds purposes. Cause in the <laughs> beginning we went. I fucking we just went full went hard in yeah. the beginning, and now I got to be more cognizant of what what we're spending. But yeah, the the uh, with the idea I have, I think the studio will be more functional for both us and guests, and it'll be more comfortable than us just looking at each other like this. Yeah, you know, because I noticed in Gabe's episode um, that we're both like this. <laughs> Just looking down, yeah, talking to Gabe, and I was like, "Oh man, um, we did that for intimidation." But another thing too, like when we have when we have dudes like uh, when we had um, O'Brien on, we're both like this. So it's like we need to like I would much rather have guests in the studio and make it comfortable for everyone. So and also so yeah, like, yeah, like this or, the whole time, you know, probably be easier conversation wise too. Yeah, but. Yeah, we're man. Learning. We're learning. We're we're still. I still. I still feel like we're gonna a new podcast. And I and I think that you know hopefully people stick around and and are are fucking with us still. Right. <clears throat> but that being said, our our intro is gonna be a little long winded. Yeah. Check out this this week's episode. It is with uh, Daniel McCartney. It's a it's a rad conversation. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. A lot of cool information in there. Um. Yeah. So we love you guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Walking Blind is hosted by overly emotional dudes who overthink and overanalyze everything. Nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. They're not professionals. They're about to make that very clear. Are you still ripping? Yeah. I see the guitar. It's for show, bro. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, dude, the, the challenge, I think, is that when I moved here, I didn't bring everything with me because I moved here on like a six-day notice. Like I got my job and I was like, 
all right, I'll be there. It was like a Wednesday. I was like, all right, I'll be there on Monday. Dang. And, um, and then I ended up, dude, I mean, you know how it is. Like, it's like me getting a 5150 out here from like Alabama. It's just like not happening, you know? <laughs> uh, so I, like, I mess around with that one, you know, I play every now and then, but, um, the Gideon dudes still let me like, I don't write for them at all, but I still get to like listen to the demos early and like, you know, give Jake ideas if, if he wants them or whatever. Um, it's crazy. They've just like really evolved like into this like different being. Um, so, you know, it's quite different than when I was in the band, but, um, it's really good. What, what was, so when you were in the band, what was your more of your role when you were in there? Um, I was the business guy mm-hmm. always. And then also I was like, I would say me and the drummer and Tyler, you know, Jake and Tyler are both still in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, we wrote a lot of the stuff and, um, so yeah, I would say business and writing. Um, and then, so when I left, Tyler does a lot of the business stuff now. Um, but they, they brought on that kid, uh, Caleb Derusha. I don't know if you know him, Mike, but um, he's played in a couple different bands. Uh, insane writer, though. And that just really, like, complimented it. And honestly, I think it's like they are unapologetically themselves now. Whereas, like, I feel like we were kind of like, you know, like we were from the South, but, like, we didn't want to, like, be super like southern i don't know band. country or yeah. redneck i don't know i don't know but like now they're like they're like, we don't give a fuck you know like yeah. we're we come from a town of like like i don't know if you guys have heard of the podcast shit town i don't know if you ever heard of that podcast it was really really big for a second that's it. literally the town that like we rehearsed in oh shit it's called green pond alabama crazy um so small town vibes but dude like they're all doing great man like Jake's killing it. Tyler's killing it. They also all play in another band that I represent. This band called Zero Nine Three Six. It's like a rock, um, kind of active rock band. Mm-hmm. They all play in that band too. Oh, and they're doing their thing. Is that okay? So I feel like I've seen Jake's videos, and sometimes I'm like, "Is that that doesn't sound like is Gideon. that Gideon? I don't think it's Gideon." But uh, okay, so I guess I'm, that's probably that then. Yeah, it's probably one. Yeah, it's one of the other. You know, I mean, I will say, the new Gideon album is definitely like the biggest album they've ever done, which is just insane to me. It's like thirteen years in. Yeah, like yeah. it's the biggest record. Like they've streaming more than they've ever. Every record has gotten bigger. It's it's even if it's like they've never like even when I was in the band, we never had like an like this crazy moment. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like like you know, knocked loose or bad omens or one of these bands that just like, everyone's like, this is the biggest thing ever, but it was always just kind of like this, like, like just, you know, and, uh, they just did the, one of their first headline tours in a while. Um, and it was the biggest, they're, they're the biggest shows they've ever headlined. And I was just like, it's just so cool. It kind of reminds me of the way that like, I mean, a little bit different, but the way that hate breeds like build was like hate breed, obviously had that big, you know, they had their big moment, um, mm-hmm. onto the threshold and stuff that like got all the big sinks and sports center and ESPN and stuff. <laughs> and they were like that band, but like, they still like, it's just, I think bands that are that heavy, like it's kind of hard for you to have this just like thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, unless you're a band called Knocked Loose. <laughs> also. It's that band bigger than every, it's just completely insane. Dude, my, I, I feel like I've, I don't know where I've shared this. Maybe I shared this off camera, but my, one of my memories of you is it was during the, during the tour we did and we were coming through, we we're coming through Alabama. I'm not sure it was, but I know that you were like, it was like basically your show, you're running door and like, I got, to, we, it's like one of those things where like, it's not, we're on tour. So like, yeah, there's, there's someone who kind of handles money wise, but money, but everyone just kind of does their own thing. Hmm. And it's one thing to see, like, it's like, uh, it was like you, I think you were running the show. It might've been, I don't know if you. If it yeah. Well, show. I think I was the promoter for it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And so it was just, it was just like, Oh, there it is. There's the, there's the business. There's the business. He, I remember you being like super, like super, like direct with like, even like your homies that were coming through and like making sure like, okay, this is, this is what, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was cool being sure everyone was loading in when they needed to. And then at the end of the I night, think that that was that, that was probably the plea for purging tour, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I remember it might've been, it might've been for, I think it was for plea where like you finally were able to kind of like let your hair down. And I saw you like, you, like, you like were moshing and stuff. I was like, okay. <laughs> that sounds like something I would have done, yeah. dude. I probably booked it. I don't know if you remember where it was. I probably booked it at, uh, my church. I think it was. Or school or some shit, dude. I was booking, I was booking hardcore shows in our lunchroom, dude. That's like (laughs) the doors would get fucked. The doors would get fucking ripped off. And my dad, my dad was like the guy at the school. So he'd be like, yeah, give me a hundred bucks. I got to fix the door. I'm like, (laughs) oh, maybe it was a school. Yeah. It was probably the school. It's like cafeteria. It was, it was like a, I just remember it became like a, like slow ceiling. Yeah, that's the that it was a that was the cafeteria, dude. dude How insane is that? <laughs> literally, like live, like literally. This just it's insane, dude. So, uh, that's awesome. How how did you? I guess we'll we'll take it like kind of back a little bit. What what was that that jumping off point for you that that got you into one playing guitar, you know, playing music, things like that, and then two that drove you more towards the business side of things rather than just staying on the like i'm just gonna sit here and play my guitar and call the day type deal you know yeah it's funny because anytime anyone asks me like how i got into being in a band i always kind of wish the story was like like not to rag on my own story but like i was you always hear like these awesome stories about like oh yeah like growing up like you know my favorite band in the world was nirvana or something and like i liked all that stuff but like dude i picked up a guitar because of under oath like that's the band that did that was the band for me and um i'll never forget and what's funny is aaron and i are very close now which is just amazing and full circle i love it um but i remember going to a show and i was probably 14 at the time um and it was it was uh, a tour going through birmingham it was taking back sunday under oath armor for sleep huge huge yeah. tour at the time at the time under oath had a uh, number one album you know it was define the great line was fucking huge or no it would have been their only chasing safety it was massive um and i remember going to that show and just be like this is like what i want to do like this is absolutely insane sold out arena which is crazy like those bands are doing arenas so tight yeah um <laughs> and um yeah man and like Dude, like in high school, like, I mean, me and me and Jake, the drummer, we graduated from a high school of 21 people in our class. That's it. Wow. Um, 
super small, super, super small town. And um, we just like dug in and like we're part of the hardcore scene. And, you know, I was booking shows and everyone liked Jake because he's such a good dude. And I feel like we built built this kind of cool ecosystem. And then Gideon started to get big locally in Birmingham. And it was funny because like all the bands that kind of got big from Birmingham, like My Children, My Bride, um, Gideon, uh there was a band called uh, uh, I Am Terrified. There, we, we were we had this crew. Oh, and then Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Like we we had this cool crew of 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 bands that were coming from Birmingham. So, anyways, I um, yeah, dude, we just like like honestly, the band stuff. So we just dug in and like, you know, I was booking those shows. So we would meet people, kind of like what you just said, Mike. Where like, oh yeah, you know, I was the promoter. I sometimes I would put Gideon on the show so we could meet the bands and stuff. Uh, and then um yeah, we saw him with Face Down at the time and just started getting after it. And I think our first like real tour was um or our first one of our first real tours was Sleeping Giant, First Blood, Gideon. It was dang. sick. And Betrayal was on it too. Dang. Betrayal. Oh yeah. And um I just remember being on that and just being like, This is just what I want to do the rest of my life. This is unreal. And then got momentum, did the scream, the prayer stuff, did, you know, we did the four today tour at their biggest. It was a big tour. Um, and, uh, yeah, dude, I think the problem with me was, is like, I really like creating, um, content marketing and, and growing it. So Jake, the drummer, it was kind of always this funny thing where like I played guitar. Okay. Like I just being honest, I was never really that good. It was just, I knew how to write riffs. I knew how to write hardcore riffs. Mm -hmm. I was very good at staying on the times of like what was popping at the time, how to be heavy, you know, um, the heavier stuff. But Jake was always like, and that shines through because Jake now does it like for a living and I do this for a living. So, um, but yeah, like, I was never really the guy uh, as far as the musicianship standpoint, but um, yeah, 2000 and I don't know, 13, probably I started to book bands and like just grind it out, like under my own email, like just, I was just hustling. Um, actually my first gig was, uh, was working with this guy, Wolf Bailey, who oh, yeah. played in Gravemaker and yeah. Comeback Kid um and and uh figure four and he he he's like i'll give you an email address like let's just you know book these hardcore bands and so i was just booking bands and touring in gideon and i think by the time 2013 14 came really came around i was like all right i i want to do the business side like i love this i want to grow bands to be honest i was like i want to make money i mean those guys make money now but like yeah. i never made any money but right. you know touring in a hardcore band it's just not you know yeah. um but uh yeah i mean that's just the truth and then so 2015 i moved here to be this guy dave shapiro's assistant who dave at the time like did a day to remember papa roach yeah. falling in reverse all that kind of stuff um and yeah like the model that you do kind of be an agent at a, at a corporate a big agency is like you work for a couple of different agents so right. i worked for him and then i worked for this um really powerful agent, Cheryl Pagliarani. She's got like Post Malone and 21 Savage and Dominique Fike, crazy roster. Um, yeah, worked for DJ Khaled for a little bit, worked for Post Malone. And then uh, um, 
got promoted. And so ever since then, I've just been trying to like utilize, I guess, the knowledge that I have of like being a past band dude, mm -hmm. which honestly is like, it's really funny. Like when you're coming up in like the corporate agency realm, it's very like you learn about meeting etiquette and what to say, what not to say, what to say to artists, you know, what it's, it's, it's a very like read the room culture and try to figure out how you sign this act or whatever it is. Um, and my like number one pitch to this day is just like, yo, like I like, fuck, I did all this. Like I slept in 15 passenger vans on top of merch bags. Yeah. Like, you know, I played 200 shows a year. I mean, I would say in 20, when we put out Callus, like we probably played 200 shows that year. It was completely insane. Um, so that's like my, you know, that kind of, I don't, I don't want to use the word edge, but like it gave me a, a much different perspective uh, than like, oh yeah, like I went into the mailroom and like kind of like music and became an agent, which like, honestly, there's a ton of great agents out there that never played in bands. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I've found we have like five or six guys at, uh, at UTA that like they were band people. Um, and we all just like do business the same exact way. I think it's because we knew, like, we know it's like talking to a former me, you know what I yeah. mean? When I talk to a client. <laughs> because you, 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 it, it's true though. Like, I mean, that experience is, you can't just get that experience. You can't just be like, Oh, I want to, I want to tour. It's like, unless you can jump off and someone wants someone's willing to take you, mm -hmm. you know? And then, you know, a lot of people won't, they don't appreciate the fact it's like, you know, you said sleeping in vans, like eating Taco Bell for like a week straight. Like people, yep. <laughs> It's like, uh, it's a, it's a world that, you know, unless, unless you've done it, it's hard to, it's hard to really replicate that and to know what that grind is too, you know, like to keep like wanting to do that. I think about that all the time. Like how the hell do we play so many shows in that kind of living condition? You know what I mean? Like we were making, we weren't making, you still don't make shit like eating poorly, sleeping on floors, you know, our van for months few days between showers yeah you know like yep <laughs> still trying to meet girls yeah i mean granted this was <laughs> granted this was like the first like this was like the worst of it but i remember our first real our first tour ever like not like oh we signed and no like our first like self book through myspace tour yeah. um i remember we played we did like the southeast you know, so we do like Alabama and then we do that, that venue, uh, the warehouse in Chattanooga used to be around. Mm. And then we did Atlanta. And I remember we played in Valdosta, Georgia, which is like South Georgia, right by right where it turns into Florida. Mm. And I have this memory of like, we played a place called Vino's Pizza and like everyone there was just eating pizza. Like no one was there to watch our show. <laughs> it was like, it was like if we sat down, like like set up our band show in a lunchroom of people eating pizza, and it there was no crowd. It was like, it was literally like, okay, let's go to a restaurant and play. Yeah. I don't know how we got booked there, what, who, who booked us right. there or whatever. And it was like a, you know, it was one of those like it was a door deal or whatever. So like naturally we made nothing because no one paid to see us. Right. It was like a door deal based on oh if you bring people out and we were just naive and young and just wanted to play yeah. and performed and i remember like m the basis mike i think you remember timmy um yeah. uh, timmy at the time he came up to me he's like hey dude 
I just want to tell you, we're not going to make the show tomorrow if you don't go beg for tips, if we don't beg for tips. So literally, I remember just like walking like after the show, just being like, hey, can we have five bucks? Can we have five? like to the people? Because it, it wasn't like we were just randomly walking up to people on the street. It was the people that had like, you know, yeah. Fo- yeah. were forced to watch yeah. our show. Basically. We, we provided a service. I was like, hey, Whether we have five bucks. Yeah. yeah, like I remember Timmy being like, we could probably get there on like 68 bucks or something like that. And I'm like. That was like, and then I remember like having like 17 cents in my checking. I don't know why it was that number and why I remember it, but like having like 17 cents and like, I was so hungry for lunch. And so we stopped somewhere random and, um, I like, I like convinced, uh, make like, I convinced the dude at McDonald's, like, give me a free McDouble or whatever. And I remember just being like, so hype, (laughs) just like so stoked about it. So randomly, Timmy. What do you say? I was like, it's funny you said Timmy because like, randomly every now and then his picture will pop up, and it's uh we went. I think we stayed. I think we stayed with him. He had the he had the crazy house, right? Yeah, insane house. Yeah, and so of course we're walking through, and then I see like his prom picture, and he's wearing. I I'm pretty sure he's wearing like all white. Probably I don't know. It's amazing. It's like an amazing. Yeah, I have the picture in my phone still for sure. But like every it's now amazing. and then, every couple of years, it, sounds... it pops up. It's like it's so funny. Oh, that's a hundred percent, like a hundred percent something that he would do. And he was, uh, yeah, he we called it the Redneck Mansion. Yeah, he, it was a it was a house that had twenty two rooms, but they were all. It was originally a five bedroom house in Alabama, in the middle of nowhere. They were all built. It was like extensions. Dude, it was insane. And then he, the, I think Timmy's dad owned a trailer park, but it was like in the backyard, the trailer park was. So like it wasn't, there was no separation. It was like you walk out and like there's these, there's like 12 trailers and the dad owns them. Dude, it was amazing. <laughs> like the dad was like this resourceful, just like bad motherfucker, you know, from, from Alabama, just like 12 different businesses and shit. Like it would be like, <laughs> he used to put, he made his yard the, a car dealership. So there would be like in his yard, there'd be like eight cars for sale at any given time. Dude, that's, that so was, that's so awesome. It was so good. Yeah, I remember when, when we found out we were going to stay there, like everybody's all excited for us. Like, oh, you get to see it. We tell people about it, but you get to see it. And it was. Dude, it was like it was amazing. A, low key, it became like this legendary spot. Cause like, a plea for, I mean, everyone stayed there, impending doom, a plea for purge, like all the OG guys, you know, Dude, everyone sick. was there. Um, um, I think at one point, maybe like most of face down records stayed there, like on, on a single night, if I can remember correctly. Oh. Um, yeah, it was just so me. awesome. <laughs> Dude, like, just the, the best, like most random experience ever. And of course the mom's like the Southern bell and like just cooks for everyone. That rules. <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> Damn it. Dude, so I, you know, uh, I don't know, if, I don't know if, we're, if if that's the, you know, we're copying your story, but I, I want to know about the mental health journey, man. Like, you know, what what, uh, you know, be looking back on it now as musicians, everyone should be on a mental health yeah. journey for what we've everyone's <laughs> been through. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear like what, what uh, yeah, what, what your your journey into what led you eventually to continuance. I mean, yeah, dude, like. You know, it's 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 something that I have a lot of peace with now, because um, you know I've had I had a, I've had a journey, right? And I'm mm-hmm. now I'm in a really good spot. But I think 
you know, I, I came up with a bit of a complex situation. It wasn't a bad situation. It was, it was complex in that I had a very good childhood, amazing parents. Um, they're both in my life. We talk every single day, love them dearly, was always provided for. Um, there's some complex stuff where, you know, a major mental illness history um, in my mom's side of the family, primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like everyone in my mom's, you know, family uh, has been in a mental health hospital at some point, at some point. I haven't, um, th- thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everyone on that side of the family is diagnosed with a mental illness, right? So I think when I was like, I don't know, maybe 22 or 23, I started to really um, try to recognize that there was something going on in my head, right? That like, wasn't, wasn't normal, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And well, by normal, meaning like, you know, uh, it wasn't something that everyone experienced, right? right? So I remember just, um, I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but I used to be married. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that or not. Yeah. Um, I was married until like 22 or 23, mm-hmm. you know, small town vibe. Everyone gets married really young. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, I remember I moved to LA, the marriage went to shit and then we got a divorce. And then I think what my theory of this is that, you know, they say that the brain does, you know, is still developing up to like, what what is it 26 or 27 or something mm-hmm. so when i turned 25 there was something that i think it was probably prompted by an immense amount of stress from that moving here work all the normal stuff mm-hmm. life and um i honestly had a pretty serious uh um episode right where um you know i have obsessive compulsive Um, but I have like the real obsessive compulsive, you know, not just like, I think everything should be clean. Like that's not even the start of it, you know? Um, obviously that's a very, very common misconception, Mm -hmm. you know, germaphobe. I I'm literally have, don't give a fuck about germs. Mm -hmm. It's not been one of my things. Um, my thing was very, um, you know, I, I would get caught up on stuff and really, really obsessed with things. Um, my head would really like swim. I, I would, uh, have what's called intrusive thoughts, mm. um, that would really bother me. And then, uh, and then I would just kind of go in circles. Right. Yeah. And I think it was probably prompted by stress, but yeah, like 2015 or 16, I had a serious, um, spiral with it. And, um, I, w- I went to therapy and it was the first time I'd been in therapy ever. And I think, you know, that a little bit of that is a reflection of, my upbringing, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's physical wellness and spiritual wellness yep. in the Christian faith. Yep. There is no right. mental wellness, yes. right? So the physical meeting, the spiritual, and by the way, now, uh, a lot of, uh, the Christian faith has come a long way and now a lot of them do acknowledge it, Yeah. but I, you know, Southern Baptist kid, you know, in the early two thousands, that was not, you know, so it was physical health, spiritual health. So if something was wrong with your physical health, you prayed for it to be better, uh-huh. right? You, you asked God to grant this for you. So mm-hmm. I think what happened was as I was, you know, a kid, I had these signs of quirky, like kind of that quirky, obsessive, anxious, 
you know, I would, uh, I mean, some of this stuff is stuff that a, a lot of people have dealt with, but mm -hmm. you know, I would go over to friends for a sleepover and I'd be like the only kid that's like, I, I gotta go. Like I had my mom come get me, you know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, cause I couldn't stop thinking about my mom and I would get sad. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com and I'm start crying and all this stuff. And I had these like little things, you know, I had this thing that's very, very serious, which I ended up not even realizing was totally a thing. It's called confessional OCD. So basically like it's when obsessive compulsive disorder meets uh, faith. So it's really, really, really common in, uh, amongst people with OCD that are Catholics uh, a little bit more because in Catholicism, you actually go, to a priest and confess your sins. Mm -hmm. Right. And for me though, um, basically, you know, it was very complex and bizarre, but I would think something that, um, I wasn't supposed to think, you know, at the time it was like, I mean, I, I grew up thinking, you know, it's not okay to have sex before marriage. So my thing as a kid was, Oh, I would think about, I would lust after a woman. And then I would immediately ask God for forgiveness. And it would just all day, every day. It was mm -hmm. just this crazy thing. And then I would stop, and it'd be okay because anyone that has, you know, a mental condition knows like based on your life at a specific time, there are like spikes. Yes. Like sometimes I'm like, I'll go like months and I'm like just cruising. Mm -hmm. And then like one day I'm like, oh shit, you know, I'm just like in my head a lot. And mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of signs as a kid that if my parents would have been educated on it and known, they probably could have helped, but they weren't, you know? And so, uh, I think that that made a very nasty cocktail that kind of just spewed until it blew when I was like 25. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just had these episodes and I, I you know, it kind of went into depression. And um, anyways, I uh, got, I went into therapy and my therapist, I remember I hadn't even heard the words uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, except for, uh, just thinking about like when people would say like, oh, you really are a clean freak or whatever, yeah. you know, the common stuff. Yeah. And I remember in about five minutes, she diagnosed me with OCD. And I remember being like, damn, like I'm 20. It took me 25 years to get a five minute diagnosis by a professional. She's she she's not my therapist now, but she was my therapist for up until like a year ago when she left the, the firm that she was at. Hmm. Um and she was with me through that kind of whole journey. And I remember just sobbing because I was like, 
I never even heard mental, like mental health or mental awareness, or it just wasn't in my DNA. It wasn't in my upbringing. Um, Especially you know, like you said, coming from a Christian background, like you said, like, yeah, we're, we're, we, it wasn't in my yeah. education, you know, and it made a nasty cocktail. Now I'm in a really good spot. And I think, sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear this. I keep trying to turn it off, but um, I think the main thing here is that by the time I became, um, you know, who I am today, I, I had gone through so much in my head but also simultaneously had an awesome life yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And anyone that's done that knows that that is kind of demoralizing because you see people who um, maybe it's just not a, you know, mental illness is not a, a struggle of theirs. Um, and they have this awesome life and, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I wouldn't trade it, you know, cause now I get to help people and that's where, that's where my charity comes from. You know what I mean? I mean, like when I made the charity, I literally just, created something that like i wish that i would have had when i was in a band right. like i literally just sat down and was like what are some things that would have worked for me when i was like in my head and like really really anxious and having a obsessive you know uh episode or whatever it was and um yeah and that's how it started and it's just been like so rewarding and i've been able to meet so many cool people. I mean, that's how I met Aaron from uh, Under Oath. You know, he he came into our program. This is public uh, information, but he came into our program a year and a half in. I saw him at a festival and he was like, dude, you changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I was like, there is no further peak for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is this is it. This is where I peak. Like it was just so epic because I'm like, dude, the only reason I ever picked a guitar up was because of their only chasing safety. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So um it's really cool man we're doing a lot of great work and and uh you know i get to do cool stuff like this and just talk about it and um yeah it's been quite the journey but but i'm glad that i that i made it here from from the from the idea of like when you're like yeah, i want to i want to give back to it it like you know on the ground you got what you have your your team how, how what was that how long was that like process to get get you from from this idea to to doing it uh from the from what do you mean from the idea of of like like when, when you that? the first thought of being like i want to do a nonprofit, to being like oh right you know what i mean yeah dude to be honest here's what's funny is i launched it during the pandemic it's like it was almost like this weird thing where like i had a couple of people be like do you really want to start a charity at this time and i'm like yeah like now people really 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 yeah, need yeah. it um Honestly, man, I decided and then I started to think about the model for it. And, and dude, honestly, it's been evolving even since I did that. You know what I mean? Like we've only been a charity for like two and a half years. So it evolves every day. I'm, I'm being honest, like our, our mission statement changes sometimes. Mm. And, but it's I mean, it's all the same journey and the same road of helping people with their mental health and giving them resources and a community and all that kind of stuff, advocacy. But um yeah, I, I, I decided I was going to do it. I started raising money and then I met Aaron, I met Aaron and he needed help. I met Jeff from the Smashing Pumpkins, which was really cool for me to get to go to coffee with him and hang out. And he's a huge advocate. And um, that was kind of where it started. And, you know, at first the model was more like we were giving grant, like financial grants to people for people who didn't have health insurance or their health insurance didn't cover therapy. 
And that was really powerful, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time, um, probably what's most, like at least from what I can gather with all the work we've done, the most powerful part is like this stuff. Like it just, the, the podcasting, the conversations about mental health, the free content we do that's like, you know, our TikToks that are like um, breath work yeah. and like, you know, uh, quick, quick um, tips on anxiety. And like, I've started to realize it's almost like mental health content is what's most powerful. And that's probably just because it's a result of like, you know, the internet being absolutely gigantic. Yeah, so accessible. Um, so accessible. And also like, I, I, dude, I mean, I remember like even a couple of weeks ago, I was like scrolling through TikTok, just like in the, in the vortex, mm -hmm. you know, just like <laughs> probably been scrolling for an hour, yeah. you know, after yeah. work, just in the vortex. And one of our TikToks came up and it was like, it was like, oh, of course it came up because I followed him, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, there was like, just like a little mental, it was like a clip, um, about everyone having their own struggles and stuff. And I was like, wow, my brain so quickly went from like this extremely like kind of like pointless and toxic content to like fulfilling content with one swipe. Dude. And those moments where I'm like, I don't know if you ever see on TikTok where you'll be swiping and you'll get to one and it'll be like, stop what you're doing and listen to this for 15 seconds. And it's like a waterfall, mm -hmm. right? And, the, and you listen to it and you're like, wow, the, the way that the brain reacts to this stuff is just so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I've, I've kind of found that like a lot of that stuff is really becoming so, so impactful. Yeah. I, I think that uh, also like establishing content in those little like 15 second, 30 second bursts for people who are so used to consuming things in such a fast way, even just scrolling is, is huge too, because it just like, kind of breaks them out of that. Like, like you said, like it, it's just a second where it breaks you out of the nonsense that you're scrolling through, but it's also, dude, it's like, literally, it's literally like snapping you out of it. It's, yeah, what dude, it is. it's a like, trance. Yeah. But it's, it's like awesome 100%. because it's also like our brains now are so ADD that we're like, we're so used to short form content for everything mm -hmm. and like short videos and short reels and things like that, that it's like, okay, well we can, we can give you some sort of clarity in 15 seconds. And that's, yeah that's awesome too that's sick <clears throat> yeah it's, it's, i was talking to a record label a and r the other day and they were talking about like their i mean this is pretty extreme but it was like their prediction on music videos and um he's like they're gonna go away it's like we can't keep people's attention for 30 fucking seconds you know he's like people are not gonna watch music videos the only exception is gonna be these concepts where you know um kind of like lemonade or whatever where like Beyonce Lemonade, where like the whole album is like a movie, like that's mm -hmm. a little bit different, right? Yeah. Like, but who, but who can do that? What, what average artist can can do that? You know, yeah. <laughs> correct. So, like, but that, like, Mike, when we were in, like, it's like the model was like, you put a song out, the single, you do a video for it, right? right? And you like people watch it, maybe it goes viral, maybe it doesn't, but like, it's just, yeah, like, it was just fascinating to hear. It's like, yeah, we're just funneling money into let's make a 20 second clip to get catch people's attention and get them to click on what is this right and then from there you end up at their spotify hopefully or whatever Dude, so i i haven't really mentioned this live like in, in in person i guess this is my first time kind of saying this but i don't know if you remember i used to be kind of really wordy on stage i used to kind of talk a bit 
Um, and then as the years went by, I, I talk a lot more, talk about, you know, losing in front of suicide and all stuff. And so, um, one of the things that I kind of started to feel, and it was like, kind of, it's just like a weird thing. You know, one, it, it, I was like, is this, does this feel weird? Because we've been gone for like six years, seven years, whatever. And I realized like, man, like I have to like, I have to really tighten up what I'm yeah. saying. Cause it's attention, pan, attention spans are, are, quick. are quick. Yeah. So I really felt it when I was, um, you know, uh, we, we did a little Australia run and I remember thinking like, I need to, I need to condense this more. I need to get this back to, you know, like it kind of sucks, but it's like, I need, I need to like make it more, uh, more palatable, I guess. Or, uh, so that, you know, the show, not a knock on people going to our shows, but like the attention spans for everyone, everyone, my, mine too. I, I love short content now. Like I, you know, I fall into that. So I've had one of my little things I've been doing is I've had to literally write out what I, what I want to say, like for each song or whatever it is and condense it as much as possible. Yeah, man, it's, it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty wild that we even have to like operate like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just crazy. It's like, yeah, like, hey, don't say too much because we will we'll lose them after about seven words. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're right. Like, look, I mean, you could you could be saying incredible stuff, or you know, you could be saying shit like boring. What? what I, the, it's really like the the actual um, content of what you're saying. If it's too wordy, and by the way, I don't remember that. I remember you being very vocal on stage, but mm. I don't remember ever being too wordy. Maybe that was because at the time it was a little bit more normal to talk that much mm. on stage but um yeah it's it's really insane man it's like you almost you almost just like want to it's almost like when you talk to someone who like you'll lose their attention span after like 10 seconds oh. so you're like yeah you should do this and this and this and this and, this, and then that's it that's all you get <laughs> yeah <from. laughs> you know? crazy yeah but. so have have you found on like the um the man like artist management side that you are like kind of like preaching to like to your artists like hey we need to bring in the shorter form content we need those short clips just to kind of get people hype on on the music on on the projects like whatever you're working on or is that aspect changing? yeah i mean i think i think i really didn't even have a choice you know what i mean it's kind of yeah. like it's like you just kind of had to adapt like i feel like we've just had to adapt you know it's like i don't know we're all in this position where you know Basically, the goal should be you see content and you you somehow get that person that's swiping to click on what you're doing beyond swiping again. Right. So you have such a small window to do it. And then and then you get into the different like, OK, well, is it are you swiping because or are you clicking on it because you like it or you hate it or whatever, that whole thing? But then also it's like, how do you convert that to a fan? Mm -hmm. And I think everyone is still kind of figuring that out. You know, I think it's like you have this such a small window that, you know, do you do like this crazy video that has nothing to do with your music at all and then right. just add it as a clip in the background? Cause it, or yeah. is it a dance, which obviously we've seen, you know, songs go diamond because of, you know, or is it one of these insane, like, you know, I don't know, funniest home video th clips or whatever that's just a bunch of dumb shit mm -hmm, and you yeah. just put the song in the background i think we're all figuring it out i mean i personally like when the, when an artist will do will film professional for uh short form content where they like 
it's them, you know, saying it into the, uh, into the screen, but like with a crazy environment, you know, like, um, for example, like when we had over the pandemic, we had Alenium do a, do a virtual, um, DJ set at the Grand Canyon, which was like, it just was like another reason to like not swipe past it. You know what I mean? That's a little different because it was a whole show, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think like that works. And then look, I think the end, the end of the day, a lot of ANRs still scratch their heads. Cause they're like, they're just like, this isn't the same formula. It's not like, oh yeah. Like record a record, put it out, put two music videos out and go on tour, have one single, go to radio, the most commercialized or whatever. Right. Um, it's just a different dude. It's just a, it's a completely different model now. And I think, it's both exciting and demoralizing exciting because you realize like, holy shit, if you are the lucky striker, uh, you know, you could go diamond in a two weeks, yes. you know, you just never know what's happening. But then there's the, then there's the whole challenge of like, how do you like sustain a career right. after you go diamond? Like, mm-hmm. how do you, you know, cause these are, you know, by the time Gideon and O'Bragging rights started to pop, like we had been touring for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't our first rodeo, right. you know, like, some of these kids is like 18 years old, you know, the right TikToker picked it up. They wrote one good song and now it's like, okay, cool. Now I'm like, my song just went number one. What do I do now? Yeah, now what? It's, like a, what, what's next? it's a different, it's a completely different realm of artist development that I'm still learning every day, to be honest. Uh, and like when you, and when you put, like you said, like you can have the perfect plan and you are like, oh, this is gonna be such a good rollout. And then it just, it just nothing happens. It doesn't catch. Doesn't take. And then it's like like that one weird random form of content just takes off. It's like what we didn't even. Track yeah, that. exactly. It's like, yeah, you can put all this work into like conceptual art, artistic content, and then you're like, well, fuck. The one thing that's gonna get picked up is this girl shaking her ass to my song. You know, yeah. it's just like sure. it just like makes no sense. You know, but listen, whatever. You know, as long as like. The intention is right and you know how to operate once that moment happens for you i think that's the most important part is the follow-up yeah <clears throat> yeah it's definitely a different it's definitely a different world because we we had a band on uh that talked to us about their management had like a TikTok schedule for them like hey we need these type of videos we need you to put this out this out this out you know and it was basically just like a laundry list of here's what's trending you guys have to do it and it was at, at that point you're like, man, is it like, does this feel genuine? Is it is it something that you guys want to do? And they're like, I mean, you know, it gets us, it gets us plays, it gets us views, and you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, they're they're kind of open. Yeah, and look, I mean, to the to the artist, it's tough. It's like to be honest, it's kind of demoralizing because you spend all this time making yeah your art. Yeah. But like, it's also like, you know, I know a lot of managers and A and R's that are like what the fuck else do you, I'm going to tell you to do to break your song. I mean, Mm -hmm. they don't make the, you know, it's cause it's like, I think if all of us on this podcast, like if we could have it the way that we want it, it would be making great generational, amazing art and the, and the good people and the people who work hard, that's, you know, their, their music is, is what stands out. But unfortunately there's artists out there working their ass off, and then artists out there that aren't and sometimes like the pendulum swings in their favor you know uh, but, but like you said i feel like you know that's the, the difference between someone who pops off quick 
and has like no no base as opposed to somebody who's you know maybe they maybe they never pop off but they can have a career you know like, correct i mean to me that is where the like the joke i make is like that's where the boys become men mm-hmm. right is like the follow-up mm-hmm. that's where it's like oh okay like can i you know how do i follow this up and you've we've seen people do it great we've seen people completely fuck it up you know um uh not to mention like a specific name but like you know there was a rapper that um had a huge moment maybe four or five years ago it was like the biggest song in the world and that guy couldn't sell out the moroccan lounge here no like it's just he probably couldn't draw 60 people and because there's no follow-up he doesn't have a team around me you can't blame him you know i mean some of them definitely get you know, caught up in themselves, a little ignorant and start, you know, they blow their money and stuff. I mean, this stuff happens, you know? Um, I was watching an interview with uh, Lil Xan yesterday because it was a kind of a similar thing for him where he's sober now is his, his content's really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's super sober now. And like, just talks about like, dude, I was like on top of the world. He had a single that was like massive and he was actually doing a lot of the right things uh touring and trying to put out a follow-up single he never had another song that was as big Mm -hmm. but he was trying but his biggest thing was like dude i was like this kid that just got handed the world and also xanax and you know perks and all this stuff he's like what the fuck else was i gonna do you know and he's like i became an addict in like three months so it's tough it's created this like serious like separation of like okay cool like first step is breaking a song Second step is like following it up and sustaining a career beyond that one song. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's definitely a different it's a different game altogether. I think now. Crazy, what a world we're living in. I want to I want to like talk wanna, shit on the like on TikTok and all that stuff, TikTok but like, dude, stuff, I, dude, I spent many hours on <laughs> many hours on it. Yeah, it has everything. Unfortunately. That's everything there. Go ahead. I can go into my I can go into my conspiracy spirals. I can watch videos on raccoons, whatever I want. It's all there. It's all there for me. Yeah, it's the unfortunate hand we've been we've been dealt. But look, again, there are a lot of positive sides. A lot of people making awesome content. Um, a lot of artists popped off um, on TikTok um, and or was popping off, and TikTok sent it over that are good people and now have careers, you know, mm, it's right. just, it's how you use the platform and, and, you know, who's around you to kind of help guide you once it happens. Uh, it, it's kind of got to a, um, got to a um, like there was a time when I felt like there was the Tumblr bands. You remember that? Like, mm-hmm. and then I feel like now yeah, there's, like, like now there's like TikTok music, TikTok music. which I've had a couple of times where like, I thought I found something and I was, you know, put it on my video and then I'll get like in the comments, be like, cool TikTok song. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's like a genre. Yeah. Now it's like, there's like playlists just up. Like they're like TikTok songs. Like literally I'm just waiting on TikTok to like, be like, yeah, we're going to start a label or something. I don't know how they haven't, Dang. you know what I mean? It's like, who knows, bro? So, so you're, so you think that, uh, we won't have like a big reset anytime soon, as far as like people breaking breaking away from short content. You think it's just gonna keep getting shorter, shorter, shorter? 
I mean, it can only get so short, you know? I mean, I think like, I don't know. I think 15 to 30 seconds is the new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think it's one of those, like, like I said, you only have that small window to like grasp their attention. And me as a fan, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big, like, let's use this as an example. Like I'm a huge LeBron James fan, right? Like as big as it gets, I love him. <laughs> Grew up like watching him. My family's from Cleveland. I've got all his apparel. I've got signs, memorabilia, but it's like, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm not getting online every day and like Google searching videos to watch of him. Like, but like if he posted, you know, an Instagram story, like I'm watching it, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, but it's not like, I just don't, I just don't know. It's kind of an odd example because it's not a musician, but like, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I think it's really tough to, to, keep people's attention and, and for the ones that can bravo like that's crazy i mean obviously like there are some bands that i can watch a little longer you know honestly mm-hmm. slipknot is one of them you know like if you watch that show it's just those guys can keep my attention specifically like there's exceptions of people who are really cinematic i think and who create this you know i forget what the dj name is um the electronic world is not quite my thing, but there's this one really popular DJ right now whose visuals are absolutely insane. It's like mm. a massive production and it's like a person, like the production is like this character that's like reaching out and it's like 3D and all this oh, stuff, I've, like uh, stuff like stuff like that. It's like, yeah, like I, I could see how they can keep your attention, but like, it's not realistic for everyone. I think what is realistic for everyone is to adapt to the 15 to 30 second thing and you know, do your best to get that from a casual view to a click, you know, that's the, that's the game. Talking about like a, a band that, or, or an artist that can like keep your attention. We've, we've talked, we've talked about this, like say what you want about following in reverse. Like I, I look forward to watching their videos cause they're always like kind of crazy. Yeah. Like cinematic movies. Yeah. You know, that zombified video. I mean, dude, that thing is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I mean, those guys figured out a way to do it. I, I, you know, um, even beyond like, you know, obviously they had a bunch of controversy and stuff, but they figured out like a way to still in 2023 have these massive videos where everyone, I mean, they literally just like people just watch it over and over and over. It's pretty impressive. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. I think my prediction is like 15 to 30 seconds that model takes over. And then there's going to be some people who can still pull off a little bit longer. But mm-hmm. um, even my attention span has gotten shorter since I started listening to music, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And on on your end, uh, do you do you miss the like being the artist and and playing, or are you pretty like content with like all right, I, I did it, I'm done, I'm cool. <clears throat> I mean, I would say this there is no high like performing to like a sold out crowd that loves you. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't think I'll ever achieve that high again in my life. I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't miss anything outside of that. (laughs) That's fair. You know, I don't miss getting off stage. Totally get it. (laughs) You know, I don't miss getting off stage and lugging my fucking 5150, (laughs) you know, across the venue. Like I don't miss that stuff. You know, what's funny is like a couple weeks ago, I did my first like, dj set which really i dude i literally just did like it was like an emo night thing and they wanted emo music 
and they also wanted uh like top 40s right and so dude it was it, i'm being serious it required no talent it was just like <laughs> playlist curation yeah. Hell yeah. and it was fucking sick i was like oh wow like i feel like i'm like scratching this itch a little bit again mm-hmm. so like i i could see myself doing some stuff like that like mm-hmm. just like for fun mm-hmm. but like the the me get going out on the road thing and like grinding it out just like never again it's yeah. not gonna happen yeah that's that's like the like when when we weren't touring people were like do you miss it I'm like i miss that 30 to 40 minutes of on stage like yeah. that i miss like i love that i love I, I would love to just do that but it that's not that's, that's not, not the reality still, of what there's still is. another yeah. there's still another 20 you know 20 uh 23 hours in that day of us, you know, hanging out, broke, bored, bored, you know, it's all, obviously it's Dude, cool. I'll tell you what though, I'll tell you what though, Mike, you can relate to this is when you have that one show in that city and the venue is sold out and everyone is singing every word, you don't even have to put, you don't even have to put the mic to your lips. It is just, there's just no feeling there's, yeah. like, and, and that, I can't even, and by the way, I, I, I've experienced that on a small level of, 500 caps mm. like i can't even imagine just these you see these like electric arenas like knowing every word to a corn song and it's like yo yeah. this is fucking tight dude, <laughs> dude, dude. and i never had that like i i got it on a small level i was watching uh this thing and it's like this dad outside of a k-pop like arena and he's like outside and like you can just it was just like loud outside the arena like just hearing everybody singing, singing. Yeah. like like, you know. Yeah, I mean, like those crowds, like the the, the truly obsessive crowds. It's like you don't need the guy. Like the singer doesn't even have to like Do put it. his like mouth to the <laughs> mic. It's like that shit is so tight to me. That yeah. was, I think, always what fascinated me the most was like the breakdowns and stuff were cool, the moshing and stuff, the crowd surfing. Like I loved all that, but to me, there was nothing like a crowd that was so obsessed with with your band that. They are that they literally are screaming every word like yeah. that to me was you know, the best, the most rewarding, um, especially when you think about like, yeah, I wrote these lyrics in my fucking underwear in my mom's basement yeah. and no one here knows I make like 16 grand a year, you know, <laughs> Dude, it's like I, I remember listening or watching the I think it was the Kill Switch DVD where they played like live at the Palladium and just hearing everybody just I remember that DVD and it was just like, fuck, yeah, that's so sick like that's just seeing this massive venue just you don't have to do anything you don't even hear guitars because everybody's singing yeah yeah man i remember that dvd actually um and also the uh like i said like one of the reasons why i picked up a guitar was like i remember watching their only chasing safeties uh mm-hmm. like under us they're only chasing safety dvd it was the same it's just like I mean, these guys are just being worshipped. It's like no wonder that, you know, they get off stage and have this come down too, which I've talked about a lot. Yeah. It's very serious, um, you know, post-tour depression, post-show depression, especially, you know, for people who were, um, you know, I, I was really fortunate in that, like, I dodged the cocaine drug pretty seriously. Like, I, I, I think a lot of that was just like, because we we're a Christian band most of the time, obviously they're not now, but <laughs> when... I was in the band. A lot of it was up until maybe 2014 ish. Um, so I dodged that. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, if you do cocaine right before you walk on stage and play to like 
2,500 people and they think you're a God. It's like, you're creating a serious, you're creating yeah. a serious precedent that's you're not going to be able to follow up forever. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, you'll never um, be able to match that high on no, so many levels. No. <clears throat> um, so it's crazy, man. But I'm gonna have to. I have to leave here in like ten minutes to go to a show. By the way, Dude, no, no worries. <laughs> what man. show? What show? Uh, this band, Honey Revenge. I don't know if you've heard of this band. They're pretty cool, dude. Um, I'm just going because uh, Derek Brewer, who's a close management, uh, a close manager, manages them. He manages like Dance Cabin Dance and Bella Maya, a lot of cool bands. Cool. Um, but he asked me to come support. Um, so I'm going to go go see that. It's funny, man. Like my life, I'm just still going to shows. Going to shows time. all the time. Dude. That rules. That didn't change. Yeah, that's sick. Well, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll get you out of here. What's... Uh... So what's what's on deck for for continuance? What's you know? Would you guys have anything lined up? Like any yeah, man. Big like, steps? <clears throat> yeah. Look, I think like the biggest thing for us is just like, just I really really like the mental health content angle a lot. Um, I want I'm trying to have us focus a lot on that stuff. I'm doing as many podcasts as humanly possible. We're creating all the TikTok reels. We're doing all that stuff. Yeah. Advocacy is at an all time high with yeah. us. Like that's where I've noticed the number one return on um, impact has been like people messaging us like, hey, I saw this. Oh, I saw you like, you know, I saw you interview Jeff from Smashing Pumpkins. Like that stuff has been so amazing. And so I think we're focused on that. I developed a, um, corporate webinar that's really cool that um i used a a, a partner um uh, named dr eris humor she's a um a psychiatrist um we developed a corporate webinar for like uh, entertainment agencies and management companies and record labels to go in and educate the employees that's on hilarious. mental health and how they can you know adapt certain things and also for their clients have you know giving them resources to be able to answer questions um so yeah, man, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's all things music, all things mental health, and just trying to merge those two things the best we can. You know, there's always, I always like, I drive myself crazy because there's never a shortage of ideas. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just like trying to identify what is most impactful mm. and running with that, yeah. you know? And so far, <laughs> dude, honestly, like this shit is like doing a podcast and then like posting the reel and then it goes viral somehow and like, it's just, it's just really fascinating, man. I think it goes back to the short attention span. It goes back to how people are consuming content. And um, I love what you guys are doing. Thank you for having me on, by the way. I think it's, yeah. it's great that, you know, anyone having content that is centered around like the main subject being mental health is really cool because it creates a narrative. It creates like this dynamic where like, Oh yeah, we're gonna do an hour podcast. It's like, oh, we're gonna talk about this. You know, yeah. no, no questions asked. Like, in some capacity, the mental health journey is being shared. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and uh, you know, I know you guys have like both in some capacity been in the scene for a long time, so you guys get it. Yeah. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, and I love what you guys are doing. Dude, Dude, thank thanks, you, man. man. Thank you for being and here. I'm we sorry it rescheduled three times. <laughs> it's all good. Sorry. Anyone else, we would have, you know,
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.